Thank you, uh, Karen. The two sort of readings we've heard, an abbreviated one from uh, uh, Acts 2, are the readings set for uh, Pentecost Sunday. And it's quite a special Sunday, if you like, uh, to be uh, leaving uh, and imparting. Uh, because you know, as we were singing that, that last worship song, you know, love ran red, love came down, mercy and grace. That was at the cross, and it's made real in our lives by the Holy Spirit. So I want to bring a word for Pentecost. I'll link it in a bit to the last 18 years, but the focus must be uh, on the Lord and on what he wants to do today in your life and what he wants to do in the future. And in our Acts reading, on that first day of Pentecost, there's a question that the people naturally ask. What does this mean? What does this mean? What's it all about? Well, the coming of the Spirit is the great work of God to make him real among us. And it was the birthday of the church. A church that has been here for over 1,100 years. A church that has been in existence since the day of Pentecost. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church will still be here until Christ returns and we're taken to glory and be with him. What did it all mean? I just want to bring some simple thoughts, um, not just from that passage, really from the whole of Acts and a bit from Romans as well. So I'm jotting all over the place and the references won't be up there. But... This is what I want to leave with you, if you like, and impart with you uh, what I believe is true in Scripture and true for us today. And uh, one or two headings will just go up. I told Staplefield um, when I was there, we had a lovely time with them, and I think you need to know, before I say anything else, that you have loved and blessed them, and they're really appreciative of it. And you've accepted them. And there has been unity. Still with differences. And still not meaning everybody likes everything that goes on. But you have ministered the grace of God to them. Not just me. Not just Michael. Not just Chris or James. But all of you in your love. And I think that needs to be said. Because one of the things I said there was, you know, when I'm at Slatham, it may be 20 minutes or so that I preach. I know I've only got 10 minutes here. And, uh, well, I didn't pack all this in in 10 minutes, but we'll do our best as well. And um, the other thing, for those of you who were there yesterday, just before I get started, where's Les? There's Les. He gave a lovely word for me. Les, I just want you to know, I've got my Leeds United socks on. (laughs) Okay. Get them off. Okay. (laughs) And of course, it's Pentecost, so it's all about power. Fill the power, Taylor. That's enough. There are some people who are sick of me talking about football. So your new vicar may well be into bird watching, and your current current curate is. And very good he is too. 
And I know you will love Chris and Teresa and really support them and bless them in the coming year. You know, not all the responsibility lies with him. It lies with all of you. Okay. The work of the Spirit. Just some simple thoughts to leave you with. But I want to start here. And it was from our Romans reading. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children as we cry, Abba, Father. That's the starting point. That's something, I've been a Christian uh, since I was the age of 15 from a boys' brigade camp. And that's something I've grown in. Maybe at the start, I knew the forgiveness of God, I knew the mercy of God, but yes, I probably still thought I've got to do a bit to please him, and I've got to work hard for the Lord, and I've got to do this and that. And we are called to work hard from the Lord and do this and that, but that's not what makes us right with God. That is not our identity. Our identity is not in our status. It's not in our name. It's not in what we do. The Spirit confirms in your heart and mine as we cry, Abba, Father, that we're his children. That we are the beloved. That's who we are. And everything else flows from that. And actually that releases us into so much when we know we've not got to earn our favour with God because we can't, because he's done it all. And the work of the cross that we've sung about, and you see, the whole time from Good Friday to Pentecost is of a piece. And this is the final piece in the jigsaw, if you like. Because Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. And the first thing the Holy Spirit was going to be doing was confirming their identity, your identity and mine in Christ. And I've grown in that. I do believe as we came here in the early years, we brought something of the Father heart of God that we'd experienced through the ministry of John Wimber and others, just to say, you know, God loves you. But more than that, and I've grown in that, and in this truth that the Spirit brings to us. Never again do you have to fear Every other religion in this world is not sure of their standing with God. They hope they've done enough. He has done enough. You can leave this building this morning secure in your identity in Christ. And in one sense, nothing else matters. But what was going on in that early church? I'll run through them quite quickly. Don't panic. It's where community is formed, you know. There's, there's one astonishing chapter in Acts, you know, where there's a, a slave girl and a, and a demonized person and the Philippian jailer. And the thing about the early church and the thing that should be true of 
every church is that, you know, all are welcome in the community. The Holy Spirit forms community between rich and poor, between different nationalities, between sexes and sexual orientation. God's love is still for everyone. Maybe not how it's worked out in people's lives, but be assured, um, in that sense, God has no favourites. Community is formed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is where our unity and vision and purpose is energised. And that's what was happening in the early church. And I pray that for this community as you continue to reach out in his name that you'll be united in vision and purpose not identical but united thirdly it's where sharing the good news is powerful and effective that acts passage and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you will receive power and be my witnesses when my spirit comes upon you and we read later in Acts don't we that daily people were being added to their number and it's not down to us, it's down to God through us and through you. How will this community continue to be reached? It's like the picture J. John gave once of a fire that's happening and there's a bucket of water and there's ten sleeping firemen with their fire hoses. And he sort of posed the question, where does he throw the bucket? On the fire or on the firemen and women? And that's the truth of Pentecost, you see. The Spirit is poured out on all, on the youngest and those in there to reach their friends, on the oldest to reach their friends. When you're in hospital, to reach somebody in the next bed. When you're walking down the street, being Jesus to those people. And the Holy Spirit makes the good news powerful and effective. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work through your life and pray for the Holy Spirit to be active in people's lives. When I came to faith, I'm sure people have been praying for me in the boys' brigade, in the church. Prepare the way by praying in the power of the Spirit. And yes, as we were, and I got quite emotional yesterday, uh, you know, at the parish hall, but, but part of that is just seeing people whose lives have been changed. And in one sense, they might have said, and were saying to me afterwards, or, you know, through me or Avril or what have you. 
And I still need you to receive that and not just brush it aside. But of course it is God through us. And the greatest thing and the thing that affects eternity is people. Do you want more people to be there in eternity with you? Then let the Holy Spirit speak through you and live through you as it did from that day of Pentecost. Don't quench the Spirit. Have courage. Let him put courage in you. The next one. Just worship that is transforming and authentic. It's not there in scripture, but it's there recorded sort of from the early church where people would come into the presence of Christians and say, God is among you. God is among you. And when we're talking about worship, yeah, we're not just talking about an act of worship now, though it includes that. It's more than that. And the prayerfulness of a church life and a body of believers... It could be your home, couldn't it? Just being a place of peace, a place of sanctuary, a place of prayer where worship is offered. And people come and say, God is among you. God's in your family. I see it in your life. But yes, when we gather like this as well, a few weeks ago, you know, we had a little Thanksgiving service. Um, you know, and your Ruth Stone just told me that, you know, one of the members of their family, you know, not a churchgoer, anything like that, encountered God and was blessed by that uh, and wants to return. Now, we can say things like that. We still need to pray. But that's what it's about. And you and I know, I've said it before, it's not about the style of worship And, uh, you know, things may change as you go forward. Not change much during the interregnum. Not allowed to do that too much. (laughs) But as you go forward, you know, there'll still be different approaches to God from quiet to exuberant. And the spirit can be in all of those. Providing we're being real with God. That's all he asks of us. Take off the masks. Be real before him. Worship with everything you've got. Next one. This is a work of the Spirit as well. And I didn't come to faith without repentance and weeping on my bed for a week after a boys' brigade camp. Because God showed me, in one sense, what my heart was. He was still showing he loved me. He was offering me forgiveness. But he said, Gary, you know, you're not a nice person sometimes. You know, I want you to get right with me. I've got things I want to do in and through you. So repentance is necessary for faith. The Holy Church... uh, the. The early church, you know, the Holy Spirit was working there. So there is a call to holiness, as God puts that on us. That's what was happening with Ananias and Sapphira. You know, that that strange bit, pretty sort of uh, dark story in Acts 5. You know, God's judgment did fall. So let's not just say the Holy Spirit is uh, a nice bloke who loves us. He is the Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
and holy lives speak of God. That's not about having lots of shoulds and oughts. They're quite nasty words at times. You should do this, you ought to do that. But what do you want to do before God as the Spirit enables you? What does the Spirit want to do in your life? And he will lead you and enable you to live the life that honours God. And that's actually attractive to people. Let's not compromise on sin and the need for repentance. That's at the heart of the gospel. We don't compromise on that. But equally, God's mercy is enough to cover everything for those that want it. Two more things. I've taken my watch off, by the way, as well. So I'm not looking at it. Yeah, that's right. I've taken that word on as well. Where gifts are released and Christ-like fruit grows. Because, of course, that's the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus in you and me. It's not something weird or wacky or a strange force. This is the very character and essence of Jesus living in you and me. It's not perfected yet, but that's what he's about. And as you, if you read not just Acts, but if you read the letters, of course, you know, the church was still frail and the church was still full of pride and they were still falling out with each other. It's not what God wanted. It's not the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to enable Christ-like fruit to grow and where everyone is gifted and is part of what is happening. Again, one of the things I'm, you know, I've received from others, uh, and it is right to receive things as well and not just be so humble that uh, you, know, you can't receive things that are right. You know, people have encouraged me in releasing others. Uh, in their giftings and in what they're, they're called to do under God and not to control and not to hold everything in. That's not good for the body of Christ and his people. And that's what the Holy Spirit is about. And uh, releasing God's people. And as you go forward, it'll be needing for everyone to... Uh, play their part. I talked about Christ-like fruit, and God by his Holy Spirit just said, make sure you speak this word. I saw it in Hancross Park School on Thursday, because they got a board for it. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. Kindness. One of the songs we sang speaks about God's heart being kind. I think that is a really important characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. As we relate to one another, as you relate to one another, be kind. Be kind. You can still disagree. You can still have different perspectives on things. That's right and healthy. But be kind. Don't be unkind. Unkindness really turns people off. During our 18 years, some people have been very unkind to us. Not many, 
not many within the church either. And that's hard. And people say you need a lot of kindness. You need like a hundred letters or words of affirmation to deal with one really nasty, vindictive bit of criticism. I'm not talking about difference of opinion. I'm not talking about being rebuked or challenged when I've been out of line. That's totally different, and I've needed to receive that. But sometimes there's unkindness about. Don't be unkind. It's a wonderful fruit of the Spirit. And lastly, we're coming back to where we start and where I want to finish. And a story my wife has never heard, but uh, don't worry. (laughs) I hope you won't worry. The love of God is poured out in our hearts. That's what Romans 8 was talking about. This is what Romans 5 is talking about, and it's a work of the Spirit. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. That is the heart of it all. God loves you. God's poured his heart of love into you. Love covers everything. Here's the story. Francoise will tell me afterwards. I've never told my wife this. We don't have secrets, don't worry. We were in France in a little village. I love looking at ceramic bowls and artisan things. And it was a lovely, beautiful made bowl. It's on our side there. I speak a bit of French. And I I speak a bit of French, had a bit on the Tour de France where I was speaking with people or whatever. Lots of things. I can make myself reasonably understand, but I was in a bit of a sort of pressurised situation. I was trying to say about this lovely bowl to this woman who was selling it to me, I really like it. So I thought, that well, that should be je l'aime. I love it. But of course I said, je (laughs) t'aime. And she didn't bat an eyelid. I think she thought, silly Englishman. So I love you. And I love my family. And we love you. And God loves you. That's the truth of the gospel. That is what it's all about. And that's the work of the Spirit. You don't have to get emotional to receive God's love. God's love is poured out in our hearts, whatever our personality and how we express things. But that's the bottom line. That's the truth that you have to share with others. That's the truth that keeps a church together and growing together and going forward together. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He's given it to us. Receive it. Live in it. Until you take your last breath. And then you'll meet him in glory. Amen.